Welcome to Healing for the Soul podcast with this being season number four, episode number 68. I am your host, Robin Stoltman, and today I have my guest, Rachel Bailey, who is a psychologist, has a master's degree in psychology on the show, talking about raising kids with big emotions. And before we get started, remember every week I feature different guests to help you become the best version of yourself through different methods you may not have heard of or thought of. So let's get started. Thank you, Rachel, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So what is your specialty and who do you like to work with? So I work with parents who are raising children who are big feelers. So I talk about raising children with big emotions. And, um, you know, you kind of, a lot of people say, well, how do you know if you have a big emotion child? Usually if you're raising one, you sort of know, but I can talk about what that means as well. But that's who I specialize in working with. That is very helpful because there's a lot of those emotions. Yes, there are. So who or what inspired you to do this work that you do? So I was actually, as you mentioned, I was in graduate school. I was actually studying to be a neuropsychologist. That was my original goal. And we were talking a little bit before we recorded. I actually got pregnant along the way. So I didn't become a neuropsychologist. But um, when, when I left graduate school and started a practice, I was always applying the brain to behavior and how we can improve behaviors, moods, and attitudes in the home. So I originally was working with kids and with teens early on in my career. So it was about 17 years ago now. Um, okay. and, then, uh, and then eventually I started working with parents because I realized I can actually have a bigger impact on the kids and the teens working with parents than working directly with them. So early on, this was now about 12 years ago, I was started working with parents and I was doing more of the discipline area. How do we motivate better behavior? How do we deal with kids not listening, not putting their shoes on, getting out okay. listening? <laughs> But then I actually started having my own kids um, and I am what's called a highly sensitive person. I'm sure you know what that means, Robin, but I'm a highly sensitive person raising two big emotion kids. And so I found that as I was working with parents over the past more than decade, I was really drawn to people who had big emotions themselves or were raising big emotion kids. And a little while ago in my business, it's been about a year and a half, I actually just started only focusing on, on helping parents because there's so many parents raising kids with big emotions that just made me busy and that's really what I do these days that is awesome and I'm glad that you mentioned that about for um like the big emotions but then also the the parent part of it because you know like that's one of the things that I've struggled with I'm like I want to help kids mm -hmm. and I've asked people this I'm like do I focus just on the kids or do I focus on the parents because I'm like really you you can't have you can't separate them it's almost like the mind and body you can't yeah separate your head from the rest of you that's right that's, that's, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because that is a huge help because that's one of my things. I'm like, you've got to start at the parent level, but then you also have to work on the child at the same time. Yeah. So what I do is I actually work through parents to help children. So I actually teach parents a lot of the strategies I was using as a therapist. I teach parents to do that with their kids because it actually creates a better bond between them when it's possible. Sometimes it's not possible for the parent to do that. But yeah, yeah, I was working with kids and realizing I was giving them these skills and tools. But like you said, they're so connected to their parents' energy. And and I mean energy like like neurological energy, like we can yes. about this um, state of stress. They're so connected to their parents that if I didn't work with parents, the kids couldn't use the tools to begin with. So that's why I switched. I'm glad you mentioned that about like the, the children and the brain, because there's days I'm like, I was starting to notice it myself off and on with the, not just like the hypnotherapy, but like the energy work that I'm doing more of. Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's gotta be something. I'm like, I swear up and down my kids, they're pulling my energy from me. So when I'm stressed, they were just like, 
feel like little tornadoes. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, that's real. They really do respond to our stress because they sense it. They're actually, it's a survival mechanism. Children are wired to, okay. to sort of sense whether there's safety around them by their parents' energy, by the adults around them. If the adults are, are relatively regulated, it's much easier for them to regulate. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense then because when I started doing different things with myself, then I noticed my kids started behaving Absolutely. better. For better or worse, they are affected by us. And for me, and maybe for you too, I'm not sure. For me, because I'm highly sensitive, that puts a lot of pressure on me because I'm not always happy and I'm not always cheerful, but we have to learn how to regulate ourselves. Yeah. 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 That's the biggest thing is regulating ourselves because especially around the kids. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can be happy all you want. And then around the kids, they're like, they still can pick up the negative. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very happy that we're having this conversation. It's bringing a lot of joy right now. So how many children do you have and what have you found the best way to handle those big emotions? So the first question is really easy. I have two children. <laughs> um, the second question is a little bit more complicated. How do you handle the big emotions? But I will say that it really, like I said, it starts with us. Um, when kids are in, when they're having big emotions, basically it's a sign that they are flooded, when they get flooded with these emotions, their brain has detected some sort of threat or problem. It could be a bi biological threat, like they're hungry or tired. It could be an emotional threat, like they feel disconnected, they feel out of control. And so what happens is when the brain senses this type of threat, it goes into fight or flight. One of the first things our fight or flight response does is it actually shuts off the part of the brain that allows them to regulate themselves and arouse, allows them to be logical and allows them to think things through. So when they're having this big emotion, it's a sign that they actually aren't gonna be able to behave better or feel better until they can get out of fight or flight. Now they can't get out of fight or flight if we are in it. So this is what just what okay. we were doing before. Yeah. Their fight or flight response will sense when we are in it and it will stay stuck in fight or flight. So one of the best things I do, one of the first things I do with parents, I have a program for parents of children with big emotions, and we focus on us first so that we stop seeing their big emotions as a problem so that we can stay regulated and handle it effectively. I like that. I wish I would have known about that. But, you know, I had to find out the hard way of all of this. So I'm yeah. like, I wish I would have had something like that when I first started, because I'm, since I've learned more about the brain than like the children, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, now I'm a lot more careful about what I say and what I do just because I'm like, I know that there's that tie. So I wish I would have known that ahead of time. But yeah. well, you know it now, though, and your kids are still yes. asking, so you're good. You're good. Yeah. And that's the part that I'm like, I'm glad my kids are still little enough mm -hmm. to still learn. But yeah, although I work with parents whose kids are older, and there's still hope. I don't want anyone to think that, you know, if your kids are even teenagers or young adults, still hope. Yeah, this could that, be that's a good that's a good thing that there's always still hope, though. Oh, for sure. Because some of the teens today, I'm like, I worry about some of them. And it's like, is there yeah. still hope that they can break out of that to regulate themselves? Because I know being able to regulate yourself helps in the real world. Right. And here's the thing is that I, I used to be a therapist for teenagers and they don't have the skills to regulate. And a lot of the bad behaviors we see in teens, the disrespect, the entitlement, the um, you know lying, the cheating, the stealing... All of those are actually signs that they have a lot of kind of discomfort or what I, I call it yuck. That's the word I use in my practice. Yep. They have a lot of yuck inside and don't have great coping skills. 
a lot of what we worry about is simply a sign that a child doesn't know how to cope. But when we teach them how to cope, and I used to do this as a therapist, we teach them how to cope, their, their behavior totally changes. So yeah, that's the beauty then. So we yeah. need more of that, the coping skills of how to exactly. handle things. Exactly. So then what do you consider big emotions with kids? So big emotions, uh, it's a blanket term I use, but the behaviors you see so that you know if you have a kid with big emotions, so big feelers or kids with big emotions, they tend to um, react in a way that we consider as disproportionate to the situation. So you tell them they can't have their yellow cup or they can't go to a friend's house. And it's this huge reaction, even if like they knew that they couldn't go to their friend's house. So they may act disproportionately. They may be very controlling or bossy, very negotiating, like they want things to go their way. They may have this strong sense of like justice. And if something isn't fair, they kind of freak out. But on the other hand, there are kids who have big emotions that are not necessarily as loud and emotive. They may be more feelers sort of quietly. So they get really upset, like if an animal gets hurt or if a person gets hurt. They really, really feel that strongly. They may be really sensitive to criticism. So all, again, that big feelings means is that they're feeling things strongly and you, you, you usually see it on the outside either very loudly or also sometimes quietly. The worriers, too, also tend to feel things really strongly. Interesting. That's what I that's what I wasn't sure because I'm like, the big emotions, I was thinking like anger and stuff like that. I was not expecting what you just mentioned. It could be anger for sure, but it could also be the quieter feelers. Yeah. Huh. So then what about like the highly sensitive kids? Because so I think sensitive. one of them have, is very highly sensitive. So highly sensitive is actually, if you think of the, the, um, how strongly we feel, if you think of it on a continuum, the highly sensitive ones are on the sort of the high end of feelers. There's some kids who actually don't feel things as strongly at all, and they actually have to get more input. They're seeking input because they don't feel it that strongly to begin with. So highly sensitive is just on one end of the spectrum. I, again, am a highly sensitive adult. I feel things extremely strongly. A lot of highly sensitive people, you'll see this in your kids if you have one, they may be sensitive to noise or light or I can tell you, I'm very sensitive to noise and chaos. If there's chaos in my environment. I feel it. So highly sensitive, again, is just on one end of the spectrum. But they're, they're big feelers that aren't quite highly sensitive. Okay. So can a person be like a combination of both then? Yeah. I mean, if you are highly sensitive, then you are a big feeler. But not all big feelers are highly sensitive. It's just kind of a more of an extreme. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Because I know that's one of the things I was thinking of, like, for my son, Lester, because I know um, when he gets upset about something, it's like the end of the world for him. Right. And I'm like, well, I know he's four, so I know I got that part of it to deal with, too. Yeah. Plus, he's a little bit behind, but I'm like, well, it's just like, how do you handle those those emotions, like, when he's whining a lot? And it's like, okay, I don't want you to whine, but I don't want you to take it in in the wrong way, how the brain processes things. Yeah. So, seriously? Yeah. Yep. So here's one, one tip I have for you. Now, I'm not a big believer that we do a lot of in-the-moment parenting because the tip I'm going to give you is not ideal to have to do all the time, but I can tell you what you want to do. And I used to do this with my okay. kids who were whining. I'm going to explain something about this concept of yuck. Remember, yuck is a term that yeah. I mentioned earlier. It's just basically we have some sort of discomfort. So it could be that we're hungry or tired, feeling out of control, feeling whatever we're feeling. When we're in yuck, I explain to parents something called the yuck curve. And this is what you need to know if you want to address big emotions in the moment. So the yuck curve is like a rainbow shaped curve. Just imagine a rainbow in your mind. 
And so when someone is in yuck, so let's say you said to your four-year-old, um, you know, we're having something for lunch your four-year-old doesn't like. What's going to happen is, this is a boy, right? Yep. He's going to get big, his yuck is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as he realizes you're not going to change your mind. You're still going to do that thing. His yuck's going to get bigger and bigger. It's going to reach a peak and it's going to come down. And while he's on this curve, I call this traveling the curve. While someone's on the curve, you're going to get the whining and the meltdowns and the disrespect and the illogical behavior. Those are just signs that they're in yuck. There's not that much you can do once a child is in yuck. However, what you can do is let them travel the curve. Once they actually get their yuck out, they're going to start to behave differently. And you've probably seen this. Yep. What's the (laughs) behavior shifts? Yeah. So one of the things you can do, and I used to do this with my kids with whining, very honestly, this sounds like it's mean, but I promise it's not, is if there's this like crankiness, I would actually get really firm with one of my kids and just say something like, look, this is what I'm making for lunch. And that firm tone actually got them more upset. And that's kind of what you want because you want them to push out that yuck. So my kids might cry. And then that's actually releasing all of the feelings they have inside. They're going to travel that curve more quickly and they're going to get to the other side. So it's interesting. We think, you know, I teach positive discipline. It's like, oh, Rachel must be so nice. It's not about being nice. It's about giving kids what they need. And sometimes they need to be pushed onto that curve so they can release all these big feelings and move beyond them. I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's one of the things I felt. I'm like, I felt bad at first for doing that with with my kids because I'm like, you know what? I, I told them straight out and I asked um, the one that go that has to go to OT. Mm-hmm. I asked the OT lady. I'm like, you know, when they don't eat, I was making like four different meals. I was getting sick of it. Yeah. You know, I said, you know what? I've got what you've got what you got. And if you don't like it, well, then you can go hungry. Mm-hmm. So, and they won't. They won't go. No, no, yeah. Yeah. No, they won't go hungry. But they know enough now that they have to eat what I gave them. Right. And if they don't eat all of it, that's okay. But let's try to eat what I at least gave you. Exactly. And I will tell you, when you have a big feeling child, being firm in your boundaries is extremely important. In fact, I just did this episode on my podcast. It's extremely important to be firm and follow through. So if you say I'm making this for lunch, you want to follow through because kids with big emotions often feel chaotic inside. They feel, Mm -hmm. you know, out of control of their own emotions. They have these feelings they don't always understand. So we need to be a predictable, consistent force in their lives. If we are constantly changing, it actually adds to their yuck. It doesn't make them feel better. So I work with a lot of parents on how can you be a more firm parent so that they feel and firm doesn't mean you're not loving you can actually be firm and loving at the same time well, yeah. <laughs> but you it's important to follow through absolutely otherwise they just feel more chaotic i'm i'm so glad for this i'm gonna have my husband listen to this yes. <laughs> when it comes out i'm just saying because i have told him i'm like we need to be consistent and yes. you know, like the potty charts and the um chore chart i'm like i don't have a lot for my kids to do for the for chores i'm yeah. like just do your schoolwork and then take in Make sure you're dry all day. Right. And make sure you clean up after them, after yourselves. I'm like, there's not that much to add. Yeah. yeah. And there are always, and this kind of gets into the discipline area. Mm-hmm. There are always reasons when kids aren't doing what we ask. There are always reasons. I yeah. have, That's one of my superpowers is helping parents get their kids to do what they're supposed to do. But, oh my God, that would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, that is. work with the husbands? I, <laughs> I actually do. I mean, not literally, but a lot of parents will say, I use this with my spouse. So, oh my God. It's just human behavior. I'm really an expert in human behavior. But um, yeah, it's really important to understand there's always a reason. But one of the reasons that kids don't listen is because we're not consistent. 
So we really do. That's one factor that we have to consider if we want our kids to listen. So it's actually, I say this to parents who are like, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. How can I be consistent with everything? What I say is be consistent with one thing and then show your child you mean what you say with that one thing. So maybe it's going to be for the next three weeks. You're just going to make sure they put their dish from the table to the counter. And that's all you're really focusing on. But if you tell them this ahead of time and then you follow through, you're actually rebuilding your authority just with one thing. It's better to have one boundary and follow through than to have multiple boundaries that you don't follow through with. Oh my gosh. I like that. That that's um extremely helpful because like I said, I'm thinking about about my own life and like with the kids because there's a lot of it at one time. I'm like, you have to do a bunch of things. And it's like, you know what? Maybe if I just do one or two one. things, but I like the one better. Or two. I mean, it could be two, but it, it just yeah. has to be. Here's the thing. When you are consistent, you're going to get pushback. A hundred percent. It's going to happen, especially if you haven't been consistent in the past. And the mm-hmm. reason I say to parents, you're going to do one or two things is because you'll need energy to deal with that pushback because you have to follow through. And the biggest reason parents don't follow through, well, they're two, one, they're exhausted, and two, they can't deal with their kids' reactions. So you need the energy to deal with those reactions and push through it. You need to push through their yuck, push through your yuck, and make sure it gets done so that they know you mean what you say. So that's why the importance of one or two, whatever you have the energy to do. Yeah, mine's always like the deep breathe. I'm like, I can't deal with it. I'm like, I need to deep breathe. And then I'll see my kids start to do it. That's great. That's really great. Yeah, that that's the blessings. Like when my kids were um when I was still nursing them or I when they got out of that stage for the nursing part, then I'm like, okay, we just need to deep breathe through this and then I'll do it, they'll do it. And then at nighttime before they go to bed, they're starting to do the deep breathing that I do. And I'm like, thank you, God, because I'm like, it makes it so much easier to get them to go to bed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what can parents do to decrease like the sibling fight? So that's a really good question. And I will tell you, this is sort of what I was mentioning before. Whenever you see a negative behavior, without exception, there's always a reason. So remember I said I can get kids to listen. One of the reasons I can say that is because I always know why kids aren't listening. So I'm going to tell you the reason siblings fight. And then this leads to what you do about it. There are three main reasons siblings fight. One is that they're bored. Believe it or not, they're bored. And I'm a big believer that kids, we often overschedule kids. Kids need to be bored. But realistically, when a child is bored, they don't say, hmm, what creative thing can I do now? I'm going to go do a new experiment and expand my brain. That's not what they do. They bother their sibling. So one of the things we have to do to prevent sibling fighting is actually even something like you're driving home from the car. Maybe you're only in the car for five minutes. They start bickering and whining. If they don't have something to do, and I actually believe we need to teach kids how to find something to do. It's not our job to entertain them. No, it's not. No, it's really not. If we don't teach them how to entertain themselves, they will absolutely bother their brother or sister and you get the bickering. So that's one reason kids fight. Second reason is that they, one or both of them have a lot of yuck and it could be unrelated to the sibling, but they take it out on their sibling. So maybe one child feels like out of control or jealous. And so they take that out on a sibling because the sibling doesn't have that much power. So they can't really do very much about it. So another thing I do to help with sibling issues is I help parents understand who's in yuck and why. And the third and final reason siblings fight. So we have their board, they're in yuck. Third and final reason is that they actually don't have conflict resolution skills. So let's say they're arguing over who gets to pick the movie. They don't know how to do that. And it's more than just saying, oh, well, we'll switch and we'll share. 
that actually doesn't help them feel better. They need to learn how to resolve conflicts so that they feel that they feel heard. We often as parents come in, solve the problem. They don't feel heard and it just puts them into more yuck. So yeah. three reasons, these all lead to solutions, but that's really why kids are fighting. Interesting. Yeah, because I'm thinking like the movie part. Yeah. I, I'm just been trying to, trying to teach them, well, you got to take turns. You watch for a little bit, then you get to watch for a little bit. Yeah. But being that, consistent, that has been helpful. Yeah, that's absolutely helpful if they feel, if they're in a good place. But if they're not, they don't care. Kids are naturally self-centered. And it's not that. It's it's developmentally normal. So okay. uh, if your kids are sharing, that's awesome. A lot of kids won't. A lot of kids won't go back and forth. They'll say, well, he got three minutes and I only got two. Or, you know, I want more. And um, a lot of kids aren't quite that easy to sort of get corral and get to go the way you want them to. So you're obviously doing a lot of right things if your kids are listening. Um, but often they feel like they're not getting enough and that leads to, that's kind of going back to their yuck. And they feel like the, the competition is often, they get more, they get, he gets more. And that's really common as well. That, that helps. Cause I know like, that's a lot of that struggle that I'm just like, I don't want to deal with that. So that's where I'm like, I'm, I'm deep breathing through it. Or I'm just like, okay, I can't handle this. So I'll put myself on timeout. That was like the biggest switch. I did that before I had kids. I would do that with my niece and nephew. Mm -hmm. They would fight back and forth. And I get so upset. I'm just like, you know what? I'm putting myself on timeout for five I minutes. I do that too, honestly. I, because I get overwhelmed by their feelings. I do that too. And I say, I'm going to walk away. And you know what? That's a really good model, honestly. Um, especially if your kids are at a point where they're not going to hurt each other, obviously. Which True. Probably yours are. I can hear mine are too. Um, yeah. But it's a really good model to say, hey, I'm feeling a lot of things right now. I'm going to go get myself to a good place and come back. It's what they need to see. We want them to be able to do that too, right? Well, yeah, that, that's what my thinking was. But I was just doing – my thought was, is like, I just don't want to deal with this right now. Yeah. I've got too many other things. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Maybe if I do it, maybe they would just like stop. And it was really funny because the first time I did that, they're, they're like – where, where, where are you going? You yes. can't just leave us. And it's like, well, I need to deep breathe because yeah. I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> yeah. It is just like one of those. I'm just like one of those solutions. I'm like. Yeah. Oh, and another one, me? another couple simple ones like that are if your kids are fighting, sit to like get, get in the room and sit down. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just sit down because that energy actually makes you seem less intimidating. And it sh it's like showing that you're regulated. And remember, we talked about this in the beginning. Yeah. Your regulation is actually contagious. So just sitting there. And if you have to like look around the room so you don't get sucked into their fighting, just look around the room. I, I teach parents rainbow searches. Look for the colors of the rainbow. Find three red things, three orange things, three yellow things, and just be there. That can change the dynamic too. Oh, that's very helpful. Yeah. And I'm sure all the parents right now that are that are listening, they're like, I wish I would have had this sooner. I wish I would have had this. Well, now you can use it now. Well, yes. <laughs> Especially with all the, the fighting that, that yeah. goes on between the kids. And that's what that's one of the things that with me, I'm like, the more kids you have, it's like, no, it gets easier to parent them. Yes, that is what I've heard. I, I've worked with families with, you know, three or more kids or four or more. I would say that's when I start to say it. It gets easier, not harder. Yeah. And for me, it was three. I'm like, you, you got three. The rest is easy. Yeah. I'm like, it's the one and the two people, the the, kid, the people that have one or two kids. I'm like, no, you got it easy. You don't know what it's like. But then I'm like, well, wait a minute. No, it is it is harder when you've just got like the one or the two. Yeah. There's two kids, but then it's like it's, it does get a lot easier at three. And I don't know why that is, but it's just like. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. It, it's a blessing. So I'm glad that when he said that, because I'm like, yeah. 
I'm not alone that I'm, I'm no, no, not like, at all. It's, like it just gets easier. And I was actually wondering if maybe that's more like of that parental instinct, like more of that just like kicks in. So you're just like, you know what? If they're not killing anybody. They're not I killing actually anybody. think there is something yeah. to that. You're less um, worried about every little thing that goes wrong. And I also think that siblings tend to kind of grow closer together and help each other out and become less dependent on the parent too. Cause you can't be everywhere for all kids. No. I, to your point, when you have one or two, you're like, Oh, I have to do everything. And I have to be everything. And then kids depend on you when there are more siblings. I think it's just less realistic for that to happen. They start to depend on themselves and become more independent. Yeah. That's, that's what I have noticed. Cause it's like, Absolutely. there's like a shift when I went from the two to the three yeah. to now I'm like, you guys are just on your own. I tried to get the one to, but now it's just like, and mine are just little, but it's still, it's like when I want to be able to play with them, it's like, good luck. They won't play with me. They just yeah. want to play with each to other. Each other. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it works. So how, how can the person get in contact with you and get these excellent parenting tips? Because I'm just like, there's got to be an easier way. Yeah, there really is. It's really, it's possible to bring more peace and more connection and more flexibility um, I've helped so many families get there. So it's possible. So I have a podcast myself. It's called Your Parenting Long Game. And Your the first Parenting Long Game, you said? Parenting Long Game. Yep. First 100 episodes or so, I talk a lot about discipline and motivating better behavior. And then I switched in season two um, to talking about big emotions. So now I, I have both in there. Um, I have a Facebook group that goes along with it. And then my website, which I know is on the screen, um, has you know a little bit more about how you can work with me, how you can get my support as well. That is awesome. So have you written any books or like anything else? I have been asked to write a book. Probably if I got a penny for every time I've been asked that, I would be a wealthy woman. I hate writing. I hate it. So until I get over that and until my business kind of slows down, which right now it's not. Um, That's I a good thing though. It's a good thing, but it means I don't have a book yet. I just, I, it's not a priority because I don't enjoy it. So maybe one day, who knows? I, that's yeah. actually why I started my podcast, though. And it's been that's been almost three years because I heard so much. When have you written a book? I was like, no, I'm going to talk because I talk better than I write. Well, that, that's a good skill, and, you know, to be able to have that, especially in the work that you do, because yeah. you have to be able to have those to be able to work with other people. That's true. So one more time, just like for the audience, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you, whether they're tuning in audio or video? Con in contact with me is probably my website. So that's rachel-bailey.com. Um, there's a contact me form on there. And then um, there's also some free videos, some other things on there. So that's probably the best place to contact me. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being here, Rachel. I really appreciate it. It was a fun conversation and it's just like, there's a lot that I'm still learning. I swear it's like one of those, like, um, you can never stop learning, especially like when it comes to different things, but. Especially parenting, I believe. Yeah. I think everybody is learning. My own mother says to me, who has, you know, my brothers are in their fifties and she says, I'm still learning. So, you know, really? it's, yes, absolutely. That's, it's not a bad thing though. It keeps us, it keeps us, our brains functioning well. So. Oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I just appreciate everybody who's who's been listening in or been watching our live here for having Rachel on the show as she's talking about the kids with raising kids with big emotions. And thank you for tuning in to Healing for the Soul podcast and make it a great day.